Welcome to the Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Fryman, and I hope everyone has had a fantastic week. Um, this is the Friday show coming at y'all, so I hope you guys have a good Friday and a great weekend as we are heading into possibly the first snow of 2019 in this area. I'm sure everyone is shooketh to the core. They're saying four to six inches possibly, um, and I know people around here lose their minds and d- forget how to drive. Uh, if you don't have bread and milk, you probably already done missed out. It's all going to be gone because for some reason everyone has to go out and buy that even though they forget that four to six inches of snow, you know, the next day everything will be clear. You could dry. <laughs> People just freak out, man, around here, and it's it's quite hilarious. But we're a sports show, not a weather channel, so we're going to talk about the local sports as we always do to start the show. Um, this is a solo show, by the way, just to let you know, schedules didn't align, so um, Brian and Michael were unable to join, but that's fine. Um, I'm going to get their NFL picks and get that out there for everybody um, probably tomorrow uh, so you can see who all we got in this divisional round matchup in the NFL, but we'll talk about those games a little bit later on. So Local Hour is always brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app. Use code Double Technical. And you'll save $20 off your first ticket purchase. Why not? You know, save yourself some money. So, we're going to start off with Kentucky basketball. Kentucky played Texas A&M on Tuesday and were able to get a win 85-74. to uh, They did not cover the spread because of a last-second <laughs> heave by Texas A&M, which is really funny. That That's one of those bad beats that, um, oh... Uh, ESPN always talks about um, Scott Van Pelt. So, hope you didn't have money on that. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, great game. Um, good bounce back after that tough loss to Alabama. Tyler Hero had 21 points. Um, and he went, uh, oh gosh, I'm sorry. I lost him on my page. Three for seven from the three. Um, H- Haggins. Again, another great game by him, 18 points, 5 assists. Um, and then we had a good good play off our bench uh, from Emmanuel quickly. Uh, he was able to get um, 10 points and went perfect from the floor, did not miss a shot. We did not have the greatest 3-point shooting game by all means. We only shot 33% while we allowed um, them to shoot 47%, but we shot 52% from the floor altogether while they only shot 48 um, we, we cut our fouls down. We only had 13 fouls to their 19 and then assists, man, we, we killed them. We doubled them in assists. They had eight. We had 16. All in all, it was good bounce back game. Texas A&M is not a strong squad, not like Alabama. Um, but you know, you, you need to have a good bounce back. I mean, I know I just kind of said that, but that loss to Alabama that I kind of thought was going to come because we're going to not give them enough attention is just another good wake up, you know, slap. It's a good slap to the fan base as well to remind us, hey, just because we won two nice games does not mean we all of a sudden go right back to cheering for championships. You know, we got to stay humble. We got to stay smart about our expectations and what we need to do as this team. This team still has a ton, and I mean a ton of growing to do. 
They still have not fixed mistakes that they have had since day one. And that's a little concerning. And hopefully Coach Cal is going to be able to break that in over the next you know two months, especially with the SEC play. You can't have mistakes. The SEC is a good basketball conference this year. And so hopefully this team will really be battle tested and get a lot a lot of growth out of the next few weeks and months um and become the Kentucky team that everybody is hopeful for going into the NCAA tournament. So all in all, we'll have to wait and see. The next game is tomorrow at 8:30 on the SEC network. They are going up against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is 9 and 5 right now while we are 11 and 3 and we are favored according to the ESPN Power Index to win by 88%. Um Vanderbilt's doing better than they have been. I, I remember, especially at the beginning of Coach Cal's era, Vanderbilt was actually a powerhouse still in the SEC and someone that we really had to compete against, uh, and they and they kind of fell off the map. But uh, this team is more formidable than previous teams, and they're kind of in the same metric realm of that of Alabama, so it's just something that we need to be cautious about. We need to make sure that we we don't let this one sneak up on us. Uh good uh well good or bad thing for us is Vanderbilt has dropped their last two. They lost 82 to 63 to Georgia and lost 81 to 71 to Ole Miss. So hopefully we'll be able to take care of business, get another win under our belt and um move on to Georgia who we play next Tuesday. So All in all, we'll be watching that, and then we'll talk about that game, obviously, come Monday. Next, the local team that we must, absolutely must talk about going into a rivalry matchup. That is NKU. NKU tonight at 7 o'clock plays Wright State. Uh, This is... uh, a, a rival, like I said, a rivalry matchup between these two teams. They do not like each other, and you know, UK is, in my opinion, the better team, uh, just statistically, and um, you know, just just overall, which the power index has them an eighty percent chance to win. Um, and we did have a texter send in um some comments about the NKU tonight. Uh, it, it was a Philly D, uh, y'all know who it is. Just let, uh, just let, (laughs) let me just get right to it. I'm reading his, uh, text verbatim. This is the most important game of the season for the Norse biggest game of the year. It's rival rivalry week, baby. Sorry. That's so hard to say. Um, this game will tell us everything we need to know about both of these teams, especially the Norse. It's a time. It's time for NKU to push right state aside and show them that we are the best team in the conference. That Captain Phillips, I am the Captain Al type mood. Go Norse. Let's get that W, boys. And we're in agreement. <sighs> I i don't want to, like, guarantee a win, but Wright State, man, 8-9. They're, we're 13-4. I know this is going to be a tough matchup because these two teams, you know, obviously want to prove who's better than the other. But in my opinion... NKU's minus five in the spread. I think they go out there and they take care of business. They just drew McDonald for NKU. Um, just shoots so much better than their next best player, which is Billy Wamper Wampler. Sorry, 
Um, he out-rebounds our best rebounder and our, you know, assists and turnover leaders. Um, Jalen Tate, you know, we just we match up really well. And I think that statistically looking at, you know, our metrics, Wright State scores less points than we do and give up more points than we do being in KU. We shoot a better percentage. We rebound a better percentage. We block. We steal everything we do at a better percentage. And I genuinely think that loss to Oakland has galvanized this NKU team. And I think that they are going to come out firing, um, ready to put on a show for the fans like you, Phil, and for us. And, you know, just stomp Wright State and make a statement going on through this year that, you know, we are not to be messed with. We are going to be the team that takes this division by the reins and wins it all. So, best of luck to everybody. We'll be watching that tonight. It is on ESPN2, which is awesome. Um, So, more people will have access to that game. So, make sure you turn that on again tonight at 7 o'clock. Next, we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, The only thing that we need to talk about is, you know, me and Brian were having a little debate last night as to who the the person will be. We both thought that it would be Eric Benemy. Um, And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, basically all these reports, uh, one of my good friends, Andrew Furman uh, threw out there that uh, some of his resources that he had heard is that we were interested in uh, the Rams assistant QB coach, Zach Taylor. Um, And then literally like two hours later after he told me, you know, told his close people that he follows um, on social media, all of a sudden the floodgates open, open and everybody is reporting that Rams QB coach, Zach Taylor, will be the Bengals' next coach once the Rams are out of the playoffs. That's when it will officially be announced. Um, How I feel about that, I have no idea because I know nothing about Zach Taylor. At least Eric Benemy, me and Brian knew his history. Brian gave some amazing stats last week. And, you know, we had something tangible to work with. With him, all that we have is, okay, you worked with Jared Goff, who's had it off and on year. Yes, you worked under Sean McFay, so I'm sure you got a little bit of his um, genius kind of passed along to you. But he, other than that, he really has no circumstantial evidence to say he is the right candidate. He knows what he's doing. He can turn this team around. So I am genuinely concerned that this is the choice that the Bengals are wanting to go. Um, I do not think personally this is the right move. Uh, I really thought Eric Benemy would be the right move. Um, so Zach Taylor uh, is probably going to be the uh, Bengals' next head coach and let this begin the possible turmoil because here we are taking a guy that, again, has no nothing that we can look at outside of the fact that he was an offensive coordinator for University of Cincinnati. And so obviously he's a hometown person and he really loves Cincinnati and wants to be back here. but. I mean, outside of that, you can't really say anything. I mean, cool, you want to come back, but we need something with more tangible results. And so I'm really nervous that 
here we are. We found a way to mess up our head coach pick um, going away from someone that we should have. Um, and then a little bit of other side news uh, reported by Katherine Terrell of ESPN, who is a um, great writer for ESPN. She uh, said that the Bengals had a meeting with members of their staff to inform about their futures. And um, they telling them they were telling them whether or not they'd be staying. People who are not coming back for next year was running back coach Kyle uh, Kasky, who did a great job with Joe Mixon, obviously. The assistants uh, have essentially been in limbo up to this point as they were told they were under contract but did not know anything about their futures or who would be the head ne- next head coach. So they did let a few assistants off the hook. Pretty much they're, they're almost essentially cleaning house at this point. Um, so it's really uh, it, what's the next question is, is once they've officially announced that Zach Taylor is the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals, who does he want to bring in under him? That's going to be the key, and that's what's going to interest me the most because that could be either a good thing. He Maybe he goes out and he's able to get some really good candidates or um, bad things happen and we get really bad candidates and we're in a place where we just all want to sit there and cry. <laughs> so, the, again, just something that we are going to have to wait and see and find out. Again, I'm I'm very, very hesitant on this move, but we'll just have to ultimately wait and see how this all turns out and what our final roster looks like. Then we can start, you know, making assessments of it, looking at the draft and, uh, you know, judging them on that and see who they pick up because that's going to be pertinent as well. And it, it's a long road as a Bengals fan right now. And we're just we're just along for the ride as to what happens to this organization and what is about to become of it. It's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. There's going to be no leeway uh, in this equation. So everyone just needs to be ready. Put your life vest on. That's going to be a bumpy ride. So that is going to conclude today's local segment. Again, this is brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code Double Technical for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back, and we are going to talk about one little NFL story that stuck out to me that I wanted to talk to everyone about. And then we are going to break down the divisional playoff games that are coming to us this weekend and what uh, my picks at least are. Everyone will see Brian's and Michael's picks uh, at a later time. But I'll let you know what I'm thinking in those games right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your either if you just listened through to the break or if you actually took a break as well. Um, and it's time to talk everything NFL. And to start, really kind of briefly, I just wanted to talk about the Steelers and the whole Antonio Brown situation. So the the thing that I wanted to talk about is the team president, uh, Art Rooney II, uh, told the Pittsburgh Gazette that um, regarding Antonio Brown's future with the Pittsburgh Steeler, um, he won't be released, but all other options are on the table, and that he, um, quote, uh, says it is hard to envision Brown as a part of the team when it comes to training camp in late July. 
So basically, this is just meaning that uh, the head honcho, you know, Art Rooney, um, he wants to get rid of Antonio Brown. No matter, by all means necessary, uh, he is willing to get rid of him. He won't cut him because that's too much of a hit um, on his cap room. And even training him is going to be a huge hit as well. But um, he'd rather get some bang for his loss of buck, I guess you could say. And ultimately, he he does not want Antonio Brown to be a part of this organization anymore. And it's just so crazy how quickly uh, this whole situation has just turned. I, I it 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 went south. Like we knew he had his moments. Okay, he's always had his diva moments, but that was always the belief around wide receivers. They had those. We had moments with uh, Ocho Cinco, Chad Johnson, whatever you want to call him. Um. We never really had moments like that with AJ Green, but AJ Green is kind of that new era wide receivers. They they've been they're usually a lot more quiet, a lot more focused. You don't see a DeAndre Hopkins. You don't see um what's another big big name. I mean Juju Smith really doesn't get into that much drama as well. Um, the Odell Beckham is kind of the outlier there because he's extreme. But I think that just comes from his heart, and he's also a little bit younger, Um, I think. I don't know. He acts younger, okay? (laughs) Odell Beckham Jr. is an outlier. Let's not talk about him. A lot of the new age receivers aren't drama like they used to be back in the day. Antonio Brown is still apparently a part of that old-school mentality where he has to be number one, and all he cares at the end of the day is his stats over the team's stats, which is why him and Ben Roethlisberger would get into a ton of fights. It would explain why AP and Juju don't seem to always be as close as they should be coming from the receiving staff, um, because I'm sure there's some animosity there, because Juju looks more like a number one receiver every single day that the Steelers play and especially with Antonio Brown out he looks even more like a number one receiver ready to go so that's a little bit of a threat to him and AP's mindset and attitude is just too toxic and I just wonder who in the league is going to be willing to take that on it has to be a team that has no number one wide receiver so there's no competition for him but it has to be somebody who is competitive enough to use him make him successful because that's what he cares about and put his talents to full use. So the only teams that I can reasonably, or the only team that, uh, you know, just thinking offhand right now that could potentially use him and trade for him would be the Green Bay Packers, who do not have a number one receiver. Devontae Adams is not a number one. Randall Cobb, too injury prone. He's not a number one. That's the only team that I could imagine genuinely wanting him to give Aaron Rodgers a threat on the receiving side that he has not had since the years of Greg Jennings, and even then, I don't think Greg Jennings was around at his peak for Rodgers. Uh, Jordy Nelson was kind of a threat, but still was not that great. Obviously, look at him in Oakland. He's not been too effective. Um, So that's the only team that I, I think would put the risk out there of doing that Um, and trying to take it in. And even though that's two strong personalities, though, which does make me a little concerned with Aaron Rodgers and Antonio Brown, but 
hopefully they would be able to make things work, and then that would make that Green Bay Packers offense even more uh, pivotal and impactful in the NFC. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. This whole situation is crazy how quickly this has just ruined uh, the relationship between the Steelers organization and Antonio Brown, the way he acted in the final season of the year. And now they're done with him, essentially. So some interesting things going forward there with that organization in turmoil. Now, on to our NFL picks for the divisional round. So the first game of the wild, or not wild card, of the divisional round weekend, we have the Colts going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is in Kansas City. We obviously know Kansas City has not had a lot of good luck under Andy Reid in the playoffs. Uh, the last time these two teams uh, matched up in the playoffs, Andrew Luck was able to lead, lead an historic comeback and win the game. I believe it was 45-42, to 42, uh, and they were trailing by like 14-plus in the third, um, and he was able to come back against them. I don't know who is going to have a bigger game, in all honesty, Patrick Mahomes or Andrew Luck. But my money is on the Colts. I think that the Colts are going to win this game because they are more of a well-rounded team right now. The way that they manhandled the Houston Texans, who is not a team to snuff at, that defense is what's going to change this game, in my opinion. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is not good. Plain and simple. They are not good. And this defense for the Indianapolis Colts has just been rejuvenated and come alive in the last half of the season. And the way they played against the Texans, if they are able to do that again with the Kansas City Chiefs, I still think Patrick Mahomes is going to get his and they are going to score a couple touchdowns, especially with you know great talents like Travis Kelsey and um, Tyreek Hill. But... This defense is going to be more formidable. It's a zone defense, with pa which Patrick Mahomes has not really gone up against this year. He's used to man coverage. So the defense is what I'm watching in this game. Whosoever team plays better defense is going to win this because I think both offenses are going to get theirs. So it's whose defense steps up and makes a stop or two, makes them kick a field goal rather than getting a touchdown that is ultimately what's going to decide the game in my mind and the team that's hot right now is the Colts and Andy Reid just poor guy has no luck and so I have doubt in his coaching ability as well so I am taking the Colts to beat the Kansas City Chiefs 430 tomorrow book it Next, we have the Dallas Cowboys going up against the uh, almost said the St. Louis Rams. <laughs> that would have been wrong. Uh, up against the L.A. Rams. Um, this one, the Cowboy, or I'm sorry, the Rams are favored by seven points. The Cowboys did a good job being able to beat the Seattle Seahawks. That is something that me and Brian did not see, but Michael saw. But I just I. I have no doubt or no trust in them to be able to beat this LA Rams team, even though the Rams have struggled, absolutely struggled as of late. And their defense at times has lapses, kind of like the Kansas City's, but Kansas is more often. I, 
the Rams defense is supposed to be prolific. I mean, they have Aaron Donald and the Dominican Sioux, um, great cornerbacks and they, they should be overall better than they have been at moments in this year. And that's where a little bit of pause comes from me in this, in, in that regard, because you, you just don't know which Ram team's going to show up. Is it going to be the first half Rams who were dominant and Brian thought was only going to lose one game this entire year? Or is it going to be the Rams as of late who genuinely struggled um, and just could not get anything going? And Todd Gurley is honestly going to be the key in this game because if they're able to run and control the clock and control the tempo of the game, the Rams will be able to win this easily. But if the Rams get stuffed at the line consistently by Lawrence and Lee on this Cowboys team, then they're going to run into issues because you cannot rely on Jared Goff to go down and win you games as we have seen multiple times. Look at that game where he threw four interceptions. That was because Todd Gurley was hurt and they had to rely on him to throw the ball because they were playing from behind and he ultimately could not do it. He excels when there's no when when basically there's guessing on the defense as to what they're going to run when they get into a situation where you know what they have to do that is when he's not talented enough yet to do to make plays to to carry this team but all that being said I have more faith in Sean McFay than I do in Jason Garrett you know, the, the coaching is really going to be key here. Sean McVay, yes, I know he's young, but Jason Garrett has messed up time and time again. And ultimately, last week, that game ended up being way closer 24-22 to with the Seattle Seahawks than it should have been. And so, I think that the Rams are going to go out there and break the hearts of Cowboy Nation and move on to the NFC Championship. Next, we move on to Sunday's game. The 1 o'clock game is the Sandy... Oh, my gosh, guys. Uh, I'm so sorry. It's the Los Angeles Chargers, not San Diego Chargers, going up against the New England Patriots. The Patriots are favored by 4.5 points, and here's, here's where I'm going to run into a few issues. First off, you never bet against Tom Brady. Okay? You just don't. You, you do not do that. Um, and Tom Brady is a Michigan alum, as we've talked about with Michael before, which, so I love Tom Brady very, very much. And I, I root for his success, but he, here's where I'm at a, a crossroad guys, because I picked the Sandy. Oh my gosh. I hope you guys can hear me pounding my head on my microphone. I picked, I'm just going to say the Chargers now. I picked the Chargers to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So that means that ultimately they'd have to go through whoever they matched up against, and now they are matched up against the Patriots. I'm going to put it like this. This Patriots team seems, and I say seems, to be the most beat up it has ever been. Um, a lot of the players are not as impactful as they used to be. Tom Brady has been playing good, but he's been making decisions as of late that are that raise a few eyebrows, and it seems like we may be finally arriving towards the final back half of, um, or the arriving towards the end of Brady Belichick 
era. Uh, you know, Gronk is not what he could used to be. The defense is not what he used to be with Matt Patricia uh, at the helm. And it, it puts me in an interesting bind because I don't want to be that person that goes against the Patriots because they always, any every time that the nation kind of turns on them, which is why, by the way, they're a four-point favorite, Anytime you go against them, that's when they come up and are able to get the victory. But I really think that this is the San- this is the Chargers' time. Okay, I need to just stop trying to say the city. Uh, this is the Chargers' time. This is Philip Rivers' last, essentially, his chance to get to the Super Bowl. In my opinion, he's getting old. He's he he does not have a lot left in the tank. Just the only thing is, is their offense against the Raven was not good. Not good at all. Uh, Rivers is going to have to throw the ball better. He's going to have to throw it downfield. They're going to have to get some receivers open. And then they're going to have to attack um, in the ground game with, with Gordon. But I just... <sighs> when I'm trying to think of my pick, guys, this just pains me to say it because I'm afraid that I'm going to be wrong because I'm going against them. But I have to stick with what I said, you know, way, way back at almost the beginning of the season that the Chargers are going to get to the Super Bowl. So I am taking the Los Angeles Chargers to defeat Tom Brady and the Patriots in Foxborough. Book it. I'm. I'm probably going to regret that. <laughs> Next, the last game is the Eagles versus the Saints. This is a rematch. The Saints demolished the Eagles earlier this year. Um, Saints are eight-point favorites. This is in the Superdome. And, I mean, the Saints have Drew Brees, who's played amazing, Kamara, Thomas. Their defense has been, you know, obviously it struggled at the very beginning of the year, but they rebounded. That's what, how they ended up finishing 13-3. and three. Um, The Saints team has been really good. And I think Drew Brees, again, how, we, how I just got done talking about two old quarterbacks. He's an older quarterback who is getting at the end of his lifespan in the NFL. And, you know, he, he wants one last hurrah, one last victory for himself. He already has one Super Bowl, but another victory for New Orleans would be huge. Um, this Eagles team was able to get a win over that prolific defense of the Chicago Bears. Sorry, I've said prolific many times. I need to change up. This That amazing defense that was the Chicago Bears that ultimately gave up that touchdown to Golden Tate, which hurt them, and then, you know, the missed field goal by Cody Parkey. Um you know they they got through that tough test, but this test is strictly on the defense and what they're going to be able to do. And they had fits with Michael Trubisky or Mitch Trubisky, I'm sorry, um, and Jawan Howard and that Bears offense at times. And so I'm just worried how are they going to react to the Saints offense, who is just you know a top tier with that of Kansas City's and the Rams. Um, they. They put a whooping on the Eagles before, so it's good that the teams at least know each other, so I don't think it's going to be a potential blowout. But the Saints truly are the better team, and they just have so much talent on the offensive side, and their defense is nothing to you know disregard. They're great and young and talented, you know, and they would have honestly probably had a chance at the Super Bowl last year if not for just one simple missed tackle. Missed tackle I'm sorry by Lattimore um who by the way has had a fantastic year he bounced back I'm so happy for the kid um 
and this Saints, that Superdome is going to be rocking. I mean, absolutely rocking as they want to get to the NFC title game. So, with all that being said, you know, I'm going to pick, obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles to win. I was given a little moment there for laughter. (laughs) I think that the Eagles will win. And I'm not going to make it as dramatic as me and Brian did last time. I think they're going to win because Nick Foles, A, needs a bounce back game. He did not, did not play good in that game versus the Chicago Bears through two interceptions that were just blatantly his fault. He was pushing, you know, trying to do things that he shouldn't have. And that was why it ultimately ended up happening. He's going to want to bounce back. He's going to want to, you know, prove that he is, you know, this Nick Foles that threw four touchdowns to end the year and looked amazing in that last game of this regular season. He's going to come back with vengeance. And I think this defense, knowing now, since they've faced the Saints, knowing what they're going up against, they're going to be able to scheme a little bit better. And I think that the defenses is really what it's going to come down to. I think it's going to be another offensive limited game. And I think that the Eagles get the edge just by sheer will and sheer luck because that that's how you have to win some of these things. And so until the former champs get knocked out, I'm going to keep picking them because this team is the exact same team that last year shocked the world. And I think that they're going to try and repeat and do the same basically under the exact same circumstances. So they're buying into it and they're full belief that this is what was meant to happen again. So there you have it. I have the Colts, Rams, Chargers, and Eagles, and I'll have Brian's and Michael's picks. Um, I'll put a little graph together like I always do so everyone can see all of the different picks and follow along on the weekend to see who got the most right. So that's everything that I wanted to talk about today, guys. I appreciate you listening on this Friday or whatever day you're listening. Um, Everyone be careful with the impending snow if it does do that. As we know, we've been lied to many a times by the weather uh, people. (laughs) Um, But uh, everyone, watch these great games. Watch NKU tonight. Give them some some great support. And then watch, obviously, the football games in UK on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, we'll have to wait and see with everything with the Bengals. Hopefully there'll be some more information to talk about on Monday that I can give you all. So, again, this is Double Technical Podcast. Please follow us on all of the social media platforms. Just search Double Technical Podcast and you will find us. We will be there, I promise. And please support in our um, polls and stuff like that. Uh, Call, text like Philly D did. Um, You know, 513-788-1490. You can give us all of your takes there and we will plug you into the show uh, in you know, we, we want your guys' opinions. So everyone have a fantastic weekend, and I will be back here to talk to you all on Monday. Peace out.